The Solution Word with Pastor Adama Segbeji. Pastor Adama has a passion to uplift people and see the body of Christ excel. His aim, to bring hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. In this message, you will learn. It's just lip service. We'll see shortly. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? Jesus said, these people draw near to me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. Paul said, your love must be sincere. Look at verse 9, which we all know this verse. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Say amen. amen. Or to conceal a thing. But the honor of kings is to search out a matter. So when God conceals something, that means he, he wants us to go and search out that thing. And when we search that thing out, that thing that he has hidden, or concealed from us that we search out, it makes us kings in the name of Jesus. So when we talk about unveiling the power of kingdom partnership, what we are basically saying is that there is a power in kingdom partnership that has to be unveiled. It is there, but it has to be unveiled. And once the veil is taken off, we see the beauty, we see the power, we see the blessing in kingdom partnership. Amen. That's why the scripture we read, the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 5, it says, and this they did, talking about the churches in Macedonia, it says, and this they did. Notice, they did it, nobody forced them. They did it willingly. And notice what they did first. The Bible says that, and this they did not as we hoped. Hope there has to do with an expectation. In other words, this they did not as we expected, but they, have, they first gave their own selves to the Lord. That is very important. If you are going to be a profitable steward in the kingdom of God, the first thing we must do is to give ourselves first to the Lord. And this they did, not as we hoped, but they first gave their own selves to the Lord. They first gave their own self to the Lord. They first gave their own self to the Lord. When you give yourself first to the Lord, everything else follows easily. It says, but first give their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So you see what happens when you give yourself first to the Lord, giving yourself to the church becomes easy. Have you noticed that? When you first give yourself to the Lord, serving in the house of God becomes easy. It becomes a joy. It becomes a delight. That's why the Bible says that delight yourself in the Lord 
and he will give you the desires of your heart. Not only that, when you delight yourself in the Lord, the Bible says that he'll cause you to ride in the high places of the earth. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 14. When you delight yourself in the Lord, he will cause you to ride in the high places of the earth. So that means if you want to ride in the high places of the earth, the simple thing you have to do is simply to delight yourself in the Lord. To delight yourself in the Lord. So let's quickly go and look at the background story, the background history of the Macedonian churches. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 from verse 1, the Bible says that moreover, brethren, we do you to with of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. I love that. Underline that word grace. Grace simply means ability, power to perform. The Bible says that it says that brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. That means it was not one church, but there were many churches in Macedonia. But there was a grace that came upon that church. And verse 2, it says that, and that in a great trial of the affliction, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Underline that word. So notice what's happening here. The Macedonian churches had so much grace bestowed upon them. God had bestowed his grace upon them. And even though his grace is upon them, the Bible is saying, Paul is saying that they had a great trial of affliction. Sometimes you can, you can have God on your side and things not going the way you expect it to go. The Bible says that how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. So even though they were in affliction, they still had abundance of joy. Amen. Hallelujah. Why? Because joy is the secret mystery in the kingdom of God. When you have joy in your heart, nothing can take away the goodness of God away from you. So even though they were in trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. This is awesome. The churches in Macedonia, they were not just in poverty, but they were in deep poverty. That's the description of their poverty. They were in deep poverty. But even though they were in deep poverty, notice what Paul said. Paul said, even though they were in deep poverty, their deep poverty abounded onto the riches of their liberality. Now, I can take a whole year to break this down. Because just this verse alone is loaded. They had a great trial of affliction. Not only that, they had abundance of joy. Not only that, they were in deep poverty. And not only that, they were, they, their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Verse 3. It says, for to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, 
they were willing of themselves. Where there is a way, there is a will. Or where there is a will, there is a way. So they were a church in deep poverty. But they had a will. Their will is to make sure that they, their situation will not affect the other churches. Verse 4. It says, praying us with much entreaty that we will receive the gift. So now notice what's happening here. They were in deep poverty, that they, but they were praying that the little gift they had will be received. Can you see that? They were praying with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering, ministering of the saints. So now basically what, what he's saying here is that now the Macedonian churches were poor, but even though they were poor, they were willing to give so that the ministering of the saints would still go on. So that the other churches would still go on. Can you see what's happening? Verse 5, it says that, and this they did, not as we hoped, but they first gave their own selves to the Lord, as unto us by the will of God, in so much that we desire titles, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Verse 7, it says, therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and in utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. There is a particular grace Paul is wanting to teach the other churches. Paul is saying to the other churches that yes, you, you, you have diligence, you have knowledge, you have utterance. You have faith. You have all of this. You have your love for us. But it says, see that you are bound in this grace also. What grace is he talking about? The grace that the Macedonian churches were operating in. Can you see that? It says, see that you are bound in this grace also. Verse 8, it says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. To prove the sincerity of your love. Oh, this is powerful. Amen. To prove what? The sincerity of your love. Now, there are people who say, I love you. I love you. They will sing for you. I love you forever. I love you forever. I love you forever. They don't sing it, they don't say, oh, you know, you are, you are the sugar in my tea, I love you. But that love is not sincere. It's just lip service, we'll see shortly. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? Jesus said, these people draw near to me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. Paul said, your love must be sincere. Look at verse 9, which we all know this verse. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Say amen. amen. 
So in effect, what we are being taught is that the Macedonian church, even though they were the poorest, the churches in Macedonia, they were poor. Yet through their deep poverty, they gave of themselves. And later on, when you read the scriptures, the Macedonian church became an example of giving to all the other churches. From their poverty, they became the most blessed church. Are you following what I'm saying? I have seen people walk in this church broke, poor. And out of their little, they are giving. Out of their little, they are giving. Out of their little, they are giving. But today, God has exalted them. Today, God has elevated them. Today, God has crowned them with his glory. Why? Because even though they were in deep poverty, they did not allow their deep poverty to prevent them from giving to God and to the things of God. He said, let's learn from the Macedonian churches. You see, most of the time when it's time for people to give to a cause, they say, oh, but I don't have money. The Macedonian church was in deep poverty. How many of you have been in deep poverty before? None. Have you been in deep poverty before? No. No. Yes, I can understand. Maybe you've seen a little bit of poverty, but not deep poverty. The Bible says they were in deep poverty. Hallelujah. So, question we want to ask this morning is, what is kingdom partnership? Remember, we are talking on unveiling the mystery, unveiling the power of kingdom partnership. What is kingdom partnership? Kingdom partnership is when two or more people come together with a mutual understanding to advance the course of the gospel through selfless and sacrificial giving. Write that down. Kingdom partnership is when two or more people come together with a mutual understanding to advance the cause of the gospel through selfless and sacrificial giving. Two key words there is selfless and sacrificial giving. So let's quickly look at an example of selfless and sacrificial giving for the rebuilding of the walls in Jerusalem. Turn with me please in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 2 from verse 17 to 20. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 17 to 20. You know um, the story of the walls of Jerusalem being broken down. Nehemiah was serving in a foreign land, and then when he heard the news, the Bible says that he fasted and prayed and asked the king permission because he was the cupbearer of the king, asked the king permission to go back and help the rebuilding of the wall. You know the story. And when Nehemiah got there, Nehemiah went and looked at the wall. Now the wall here could also represent building the house of God. Because if the walls are not built, that means we are exposed to external forces. 
the house of God for us represents a refuge, a place of refuge, a place of security, a place where when we go into the house of God and we pray, God hears our cry, God hears our prayers. So I want, to, I want you to look at what happened from verse 17. The Bible says that, Then said I unto them, See ye, ye see the distress that we are in now. You see the distress that we are in now. How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burnt with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we may be no more a reproach. Oh, that's powerful. Can you see kingdom partnership right there? Nehemiah said, come. Nehemiah, as a matter of fact, he was okay. He had everything. He was in a foreign land. So he shouldn't be really concerned about the rebuilding of 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 the walls of Jerusalem. But he said, look. See the distress that we are in. He put himself among the people. Now what's happening or what's going to happen for us is nobody should say I'm not part of it. Are you following what I'm saying? If we are going to build the kingdom of God, we must all be involved. We must all be partners. We must all be part of what God is doing. So Nehemiah said, see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth in waste, and the gates thereof are burnt with fire. He said, come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem. Come, let us build what God is doing. Come, let us build the walls. So when we build the wall, notice what will happen. It says that we be no more reproach. So long as we are not in our own place of worship will be a reproach. Is that true? It is true. It is true. It says, come, let us rebuild this so that we are no longer a reproach. Verse 18, it says, then told I them of the hand of my God which was upon me. Hallelujah. The hand of God is upon this church. Say a good amen. Amen. The hand of God which was upon me, and as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Look at that. So they strengthened their hand for this good work. Building God a house is a good work. And what do we have to do? Strengthen our hands. And they strengthened their hands and said, come, let us do this good work. Verse 19. For when, oh, I love this one. Look at verse 19. In the church, look at the kind of people that are in the church. But when Sambalan the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Gershon the Arabian, Heard it, they laugh us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that ye do? <laughs> we are trusting God for what He has given us the opportunity to do, 
But God forbid, not in this church. There are others who are scorning. Oh, what are they trying to do? What is this thing that they are trying to do? Sambalad and Tobiah, they were laughing. Now, if you look at the, the story of these two, they had actually done this previously. They had discouraged other groups of people from building. They are, they are the architect of confusion in the church. They are there to make sure that the kingdom of God is not built. They are the ones who say, I am with you, pastor. But when the time comes for the building of the house of God, they are going among the members and discouraging them from being part of what God is doing. Sambalad and Tobias, they, they were laughing. They despised what was going on. They said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Verse 20, I love Nehemiah's report response. The Bible says that then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Amen. Shout a good amen to them. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. Amen. Say amen. amen. The God of heaven, he will prosper this house. One of the testimonies that our members were sharing, I was with him on Friday when a phone call came through that this and this and this is available. And I I have to actually tell him, tell them how much you want to charge. They gave him how much they're going to pay. I said, "Tell tell them how much you want to charge. And immediately, whilst I whispered to him, Tell them they should pay you this. They increase the price. Why? Because the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, we will arise and we will build. And look at what is in it for Sambalat and Tobias. It says, but you have no portion nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Somebody say, God will bless us. And we will arise. And we will build. Oh, say it again. Say, God will bless me. Say it again. Say, God will bless me. And I will arise. And I will build. Say it again. Say, God will bless me and I will arise and I will build. One more time. Say, God will prosper me and I will arise and I will build in the name of Jesus. When I was at the International Faith Conference, Bishop Tudor preached a message He said, all David said is that I want to build God a house. That's all David said. David said, I want to build God a house. And God blessed generations after him. That's all David said. David didn't even build God a house. David said to God, God, I want to build you a house. Like I've always said, if it's in your heart, God will put it in your hands. I said, if it's in your heart, God will put it in your hands. 
all you have to say is that God, I will build you a house. And he preached tracing generations after him. 300 years, 400 years, 800 years, who were blessed just because David said, all I want to do is build you a house. So quickly, what is the purpose of kingdom partnership? Because we have to know the purpose of what we're doing. What is the purpose of kingdom partnership? Because where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. What is the purpose of kingdom partnership? Three things. Number one, kingdom partnership amplifies mutual interest and the success of everyone involved. Write it down. Number one, kingdom partnership amplifies the mutual interest and the success of everyone involved. Number two, we partner so that the kingdom or the gospel can be preached everywhere. We partner so that the gospel can be preached everywhere. Number three, we partner in honor of the command for the Great Commission to save more souls. These are the three reasons why we have to partner with the kingdom of God. Let's look at the set out way for the building of the church or the house of God. We're going to look at a classical first example of how the first tabernacle was built. The first example. It's in Exodus chapter 25 from verse 1 to 3 and then we'll jump to verse 8. Exodus chapter 25 verse 1 to 3 and then we'll jump to verse 8. I read. The Bible says that and the Lord spake unto Moses saying who is speaking to who? Who is speaking to who? The Lord Lord spoke to who? Moses. Now, let's jump to Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. I want to show you something. And then we'll come to Exodus chapter 25. Haggai chapter chapter 2, verse 8. It says, this, this is God speaking. God said, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Who owns the silver? God. Who owns the gold? God. Is that true? Yes. Is that true? Yes. Okay, with that understanding, let's go back to Exodus chapter 25, verse 1 to 3 and then verse 8. It says, and the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me. They bring who? Me Me that represents who? Who does a me represent? Okay, now God is speaking to Moses, and God said to Moses, speak to 
the children of Israel. Speak to the house of solution. Speak to the members. Speak to the pastors of solution. Speak to the leaders of Solution Chapel International. Speak to the members. Speak to the children. Speak to everyone. God says, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Why would God need an offering? Haggai chapter 2 verse 8. God said, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. So why would he need an offering? God said the silver is mine and the gold. So why would God need an offering? He doesn't need an offering. What he's requesting is for our benefit. Are you getting this? So God said to Moses, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it how? Give it how? Give it how? Willingly with his heart ye shall take my offering. So, guess what? The offering is the Lord's. It is not ours. It's the Lord. So, but how do we bring it? Willingly. With a willing heart. Not grudgingly. Memory. God doesn't do memory. He doesn't do... How do we do it? Willingly. Verse 3, look at, look at the terms of what we must bring. It says, and this is the offering which ye shall take of them. God is specific. Gold and silver and brass. When you read down, you see the others, you know, he requested for linen, for purple, and so on and so forth. But we don't want to go that, that far. He said, bring for me gold and silver and brass. So God is specific about the kind of offering he wants. Are you getting this? God is specific about the type of offering that he wants to be brought for the rebuilding of the tabernacle. Look at verse 8. The Bible says that, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. What is the purpose of this offering? So that they will make me a sanctuary. Why? So that I may dwell among them. Say amen. So this was the first case study of how the church was built. The first tabernacle was built. The first church was built on the basis of the giving of the people. And when you read further down, the Bible says that they brought so much that Moses said to them, enough, no more. Because they were willing. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 5? How did they do it? They gave themselves first to the Lord. That's how it happens. We give ourselves first to the Lord and then it it becomes, the rest is easy. Yeah, that's right. Anything you don't give yourself to, you complain. And every time you complain, God does not receive what you complain and give it to him. Yeah. Anything you don't give to God willingly, God does not accept, accept it. it. That's right. And 
one of the most dangerous sins is complaining and memory. God killed a whole generation because they were memory. Are we getting something out, yeah. out of this? Write this down. No one ever partners with God and loses in life. No one. No one ever partners with God and loses in life. Job chapter 36 verse 11. It says, if they will obey and serve him, that is partnership. If they will obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Say amen. Amen. That's your portion. Say that's my portion. portion. Your portion will be days of prosperity and years of pleasures. In the name of Jesus. Let's look at the secret ingredient in kingdom partnership. What is the secret ingredient in kingdom partnership? Matthew chapter 15 verse 8. Now, the secret ingredient is love. What's the secret ingredient? What is it? it? It's love. Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. Jesus said, These people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is where? Their heart is where? Say, I'm with you, Pastor. I'm with you. I'm with the church. I'm there forever. <laughs> That's the lips. But their heart is far. Any giving you give to God, not out of your heart, is not accepted. He doesn't receive it. That's why David said, I'll give God nothing that will cost me nothing. That's a giving from the heart. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus said, said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. With all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So there are four benefits of kingdom partnership. How many of you want the benefits? Four benefits. Number one benefit is it makes the lives of many better. It makes the lives of many better. Number two benefit is it brings fulfillment to the giver. Every time you give to something substantial, it brings you fulfillment. Will, it not be for, will you not feel fulfilled when you drive past that building with your children or your grandchildren and say, look at that, we bought that building. That was our first building. <laughs> that was our first building. 
when this church, by the grace of God, is reaching billions and billions, one day you'll drive past and say, this is where it all, it all began. Yeah. One day you're going to drive past here and say, you know, we used to meet here, and then from here we moved to that building, which we bought by the grace of God. That is, you see, it gives you what? Fulfillment. Number three benefit of kingdom partnership is it releases supernatural increase. Say amen. amen. So from today you are going to experience supernatural increase. Amen. Say a good amen. amen. From today I said you are going to experience supernatural increase amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. And last but not the least, number four, it, it always gives back to you more than you give to it. It always gives back to you more than you give to it. Finally, as we close, I want us to look at a classical case studies of kingdom partnership in Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 7. Are you getting something out of this? Unveiling the power in kingdom partnership. Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 7, I read. It says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon to hear the word of the Lord, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, talking about Jesus. And he saw two sheep standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and they were washing their nets. In other words, their business had come to an end. They are foreclosing their business. Nothing is happening. Now notice he saw two sheep. He didn't see one, he saw two. And both fishermen had gone out of their sheep and they were washing their nets. Verse 3, the Bible says that, and Jesus entered into one of the ships. He entered into one. Your prayer must always be Jesus, enter into my ship. Yeah. It doesn't matter how down you are, just ask Jesus, enter into my ship. If he comes into your ship, everything changes. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and he prayed him that he should thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now notice, Simon Peter needed sheep. Sorry, needed fish. Jesus needed a ship, a boat to preach in. That's partnership. You need something. God also needs something. What do you need? Fish. God needs your sheep to preach in. God needs your boat. In this case, you need something supernatural. Yeah. A harvest that nothing can buy. Nothing. You don't have what it takes to be able to acquire that. Yes. Are you following what I'm saying? Yes. You need something, but God also needs something from you to get you what you need. Yes. That is partnership. Remember, partnership is beneficial to both parties Amen. at all given time. Amen. 
So Jesus entered into his sheep because Jesus needed his sheep to preach with. Verse 4. The Bible says that when Jesus had finished speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and we have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, he enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their nets break. Look at verse 7, key verse. The Bible says that he beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other sheep, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both sheep so that they began to sing. Now, did the other partners do something? They did nothing. Can you see what happened? All Jesus needed is Peter's boat or Peter's sheep. And when Jesus used Peter's boat or Peter's sheep, Jesus said to Peter, you have told all night to have caught nothing, but I can change that equation because you have given me something to work with. Yeah. Now I can give you what you have been toiling for. Amen. Amen. Did you get the equation? Yeah. Jesus said, Peter, give me your boat, I'll give you fish. Give me your boat, I'll give you your fish. What do you want? Do you want fish? Don't worry about how it's going to happen. Just give Jesus, just obey. Give Jesus your boat and Jesus will give you your fish. Is it marriage? Give Jesus your boat, Jesus will give you that marriage. Is it promotion? Give Jesus your sheep. And Jesus will give you that promotion. That's how it works. The Bible says that and they, they, they caught so much fish that their boat started to sink. They called the other partners when they came. The other partners did nothing. That's the power of partnership. You see, partnership works this way. When you partner with God, you don't have to do anything. The same anointing that is upon God comes upon you. Do you see how it works? Jesus saw two sheep. When Peter had a partner, look, what what was on Jesus came upon Peter. And what, what was upon Peter came upon the partners. Can you see the three levels of partnership? That means when we partner with God, minimum generation that get blessed in our family is three. Minimum. I said minimum. Are you getting this? That's how God operates. So today we are going to partner with the kingdom of God. And God will do exploits in our lives. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Did you receive it? Let's give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to The Solution Word by Pastor Adama Segbeji. For prayer or further details, please call us on 01293-885000. Or why not visit us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Solution, Barnfield Road, Northgate, Crawley, RH10 8HQ. Your experience at Solution is sure to be a time of great blessing. 
Solution bringing hope to the hopeless and solution to the nations. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said, The works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do. Come and have an encounter with the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God at work in the life of Pastor Adama Segbiji this Sunday, 10 a.m. at Solution Chapel International, Barnfield Road, Northgate Crawley, RH10-8DS, or call 01293-885-000 for more information or on the web at solutionchapel.org. Solution Chapel International, home of signs, wonders, and miracles.